Okay, well, let's begin with the Fatiha. Aisha, can you help us? Begin, we'll be diving into the vast earth. <laughs> this is the first page of from volume one of chapter eight. <clears throat> so the Marifa on the recognition of the earth, which was created from the leftover clay of Adam, salam. she is called a true earth, and the story of some of the strange and wondrous things in her. So we will <clears throat> see what's inside this earth and where it is and how to get there. <laughs> so this is the poem that begins the chapter eight and uh, we have Klaus to, to read that please. Sister, no, we recognize you as aunt, sister of our father Adam. You are our sweet mother of unrecognized origin. The children look to you, sister of their father. They fight each other with sickly purpose, except a few of the children. They bend affectionately to you with giant spirits. Aunt, tell me, how did he manifest his fraternal secret in you? His descent to the earth affirmed, such that from someone like you, there would appear a universe. The cherisher of humanity would be pleased to trust us with. You have the state of being the imama, and the imam is your brother and the lead are his likes drawn out of him. Yeah, that's, that's quite a poem. I've been with that one for a long time. And uh, so we have the idea here of that we have Adam, Eve, the body, and then from that a leftover is taken. And from that little bit, almost invisible leftover, the date palm was made. And then from that, a little bit was left over and this vast earth was made. So he said, after the creation of the date palm, there was left over some clay as invisible as the measure of a sesame seed. So God stretched out from this leftover a vast expanse of earth. So this, it only, only very recently did it uh, come to me that we're looking at four stages because everything is going to be in fours we'll have like the the angels uh the humans and plants and minerals 
we have the messengers, prophets, friends, and faithful. So in this one, we have the humanity is the, un, <clears throat> excuse me, is the unmentioned one. Then the first one mentioned is the Haiwan, which is Adam Eve, which is the organic body. So that's animal life. And then from that, there was a remnant left over. And from that was made the date palm, which is plants, cellular life. And then from that, there was a leftover. And from that was made this entire vast earth, so mineral. So we go humanity to animal, to plant, to mineral. And then as we know that the animal is small of body, but great in meaning. And then this mineral, the vast earth, is, has very, it must be like a gas or something. It's very few uh, molecules or things in there. And yet it stretches uh, across this huge measure, which we'll look at in a minute. So this humanity that comes before that, so that humanity comes what, and, and this humanity, this perfect human, the perfect humanity was there while Adam Eve was between water and clay. So between water and clay, this fermented clay, between, before that, there is this first humanity. And that in Arabic is the aql al-awwal, the intellect, the first, the first intellect. And I'm now beginning to see that this can't, uh, whatever I think about intellect, that can't be the, the translation. So we're going to go back to the original, which is akala, to constrain. And so if you look at what is this perfect humanity, what is this light of Muhammad, it is the first constraint. So it's the first image of the divine constrained in an image on the other side. So on our side. So instead of first intellect, we may see this as first constraint, the first image constrained on this other side. And then a next one and a next one and a next one. Okay. So we know from then he, Ibn Arabi just gives us this one little piece right here that this vast earth is where the greatness of God appears and his measure is magnified upon witnessing her. So when you enter into this world, you see the greatness of the divine and you're, you magnify his measure. And there are many logical impossibilities which sound intellectual proof arises to declare them impossible. So another reason why we just have to look at intellect here cannot be the same as the first intellect. So that's why we're gonna go with first constraint. She is a pasture for the eyes of the ones who recognize Allah everywhere. And in her, they roam. And God has created amidst all her worlds, worlds in our image. <coughs> so when the one who recognizes sees them, one sees oneself in them. Something like that was alluded to by Abdullah ibn Abbas. He said about the Kaaba that she is one of 14 houses and that in each one of the seven earths, there is a creation like us up to their being in them and Ibn Abbas just like me. So this is the idea of 
14 houses. So the houses are the, have, have a below and above, and then seven earth, each one with an Ibn Abbas in them. And this is why we, from this, we understand why in dreams and in other times we see ourselves we, and other people see us. And so we know that there are more than one image of Ibn Abbas, more than one image of me and more than one image of you. So now this measure is the idea of the ring tossed in the desert. So a ring tossed in the desert. So that's a ratio. So we're not going to be able to give a measure to it, but we can give a ratio to it, which is a kind of measure, I suppose. So a ratio. Now, if you remember, we've always talked about fractal dimensions. So we have a surface, let's say a cloth sheet on the, on the ground. If you rumple it up, it go, its area stay, its surface area is all there, but it's now rumpled up. So it goes up and down and up and down. So we realize that when we have any kind of surface, we have to ask how much up and down we're going to be looking at. And so a ring tossed in the desert, let's take the empty quarter as our desert. And of course, it's not a flat surface. So you can't measure with a map the surface area of the empty quarter. You have to be able to measure each of the dunes going up and down, each of the ripples as they go up and down. And if you were to flatten out the empty quarter completely flat, that's the question of what would its surface area be? So I did some calculations and the surface area would be 10 to the 16 centimeters. Let's just say that. <laughs> so 10 to the 16 square centimeters. So now we have a ring, which is a, has a, which is, let's say a square centimeter and the empty quarter, which is 10 to the 16 square centimeters. So if you look at that, you begin, you can say that we have a ring to our common dimension, the empty quarter. And then that relationship, that 10 to the, 16 or 10 to the whatever we're going to say it is, that ratio is very interesting. It's similar or it seems to be the same as the empty quarter to the earth. And then the earth as a ring tossed in the desert to the solar system. And then the solar system, a ring tossed in the desert going to the galaxies. And then all these galaxies become a ring tossed in the desert to this entire observable universe. And using this ratio, then the entire observable universe is like a ring tossed into the throne. And then the throne, that if the throne is, is, were just a ring, this entire observable universe and the footstool and the throne, that's a ring tossed in this desert of this vast earth. So that's how big this vast earth has to be. So of course, it's uh, definitely belong intellect to go into these places. So these are in her are wonders and strange things whose metric cannot be measured and whose situation overwhelms intellects, overwhelms anything. In every breath, God creates in her worlds, orbiting night and day without flagging. So every breath is the creation of these worlds every night and day without any flagging, without any loss of energy, no inertia. <laughs> so this is the diving into this huge, this huge realm that we have here. 
So, Bielachi. Night, brilliant darkness, black silk over doors to essence open dreams descending night brims with secrets timeless before radiance doors to Mercy open, spirit descending, gentle power spreading everywhere, heal, restore, resurrect. High, high night of power, soul unveiled. Okay, thank you. So where are these seven earths and the 14 other Kaabas? Well, they one way to think of them or to begin to imagine them is nested. So they seem to be nested one inside the other. And that's because when you go down through the earth, you don't get to another earth. Um, you don't get to earth number two by going down into earth number one. So if you, but also if you think about a plane with circles drawn on the plane, you can see how those circles can be all nested one over the other. And the person in there thinks that I go to the end of this circle and there's nowhere I can go after that. So I say, oh, but there's another circle next after that. And they say, how can you see this other circle after that? You say from the third dimension, I can see this circle and another circle and another circle. So now we have to then transpose that to three dimensions and see that there is a circle surrounding me now, that's earth one. And then behind or somehow there's another circle and that's earth two and another one earth three. So they're not over there anywhere. They're right here. And that's, the, that's what Ibn Arabi is always telling us that the garden and the fire and the earths and the skies and all of these places are not over there. They're right here. And they're so close that they're at the level of the pores of the skin. So Ibn Arabi says, now the most visible of the subtle matters is that he made your body to be possessing of pores. So he's talked about these invisible or near invisible matters before with talking about the gut bacteria or the gut biome. He says, inside you, there are all of these mysterious, strange beings and their job is to expel things that go in that are bad for you by vomiting and burping. And then they are, their job is to digest everything that's good for you and then to expel it for urination and the other. So this is, this is the, the strange, mysterious creatures that are inside of our, our gut. Um, there are also then these strange creatures on the pores. And he surrounded you with the air, which is the matter of natural life. So there's a membrane 
around us. And that membrane itself is one which is sustaining. So in this membrane, there's attracted during the moment of your lacking the conventional means. So when there's some nourishment that you need that you are not getting conventionally, then the body is nourished by these strange beings. We have learned that among the Hasharat, these tiny living beings, there is one who is your nourishment based on the pores of your body, who, you, who are attracting wetness according to a particular balance, which is your preservation without excess, without wasting. So this membrane that we are in is already one which is sustaining and nourishing. And then there are, there are means called these tiny beings, this microbiota, who are then bringing from this membrane nourishment to us. So we are surrounded by this membrane and this surrounding membrane is nourishing. So now the next way he takes after he's talked about Ibn Abbas and the seven Ibn Abbas's, so seven me's just like me in each of these seven earths, he talks about moving to this vast earth, how to enter into this membrane. So he said, this earth does not ex accept any human clay bodies so that when one wants to enter them, you enter with your spirit and you leave your bodily uh, structure behind. So this is exactly in the dream. In the dream, our body is, stays behind, but our spirit goes somewhere and has these ex explorations. And at the gate or the, the surface of this membrane, there are strange figures who are in the mouth of the rose. So it's a very interesting imagery he's giving us now. These rows, and you and each of us will have some experience with this. I remember as a kid walking or uh, running, I always ran, running past rows. And when you run past rows, they're coming at you like this. And it induces something, a kind of, a, it's a frequency which induces a different state. And so as a child, I loved to run past rows because it would click, 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 click. And that was uh, that when I would see entering into this membrane. And so this method, uh, so Ibn Arabi is saying that, that these rows are creating a frequency and then you are receptive to that frequency or you're not receptive to that frequency throughout the day or throughout your life. And to be receptive to it is that these are waves that are coming. So when waves are coming and they hit a hard point, a hard boundary, they reverse and come back with a reverse polarity. But if they come to you this way and you have a soft boundary, they go up and then the wave comes back exactly the way it came. So one kind of information is waves coming this way, bouncing back, reversing polarity, and the other is coming at you and hitting a soft boundary, rising and then coming back exactly as it came. So the soft boundary is the soft heart. So these, this frequency comes and the heart, if it's hard, bounces back what's there. If the heart is soft, it receives what, what knowledge is coming. And when that reception is, that's what we'd earlier back in April called the thinning of the membrane. I think I have a picture of the thinning membrane. Let me make sure. 
Okay, so we'll just you know, very briefly. So once you've gotten in there, once your heart is softened, these rows have given you a frequency and you enter into this membrane, you're clothed by these strange figures. And then you want so that so that one of these strange figures rushes over to you and puts a cloak onto you. And then you begin to roam over this vast earth and you reflect on the designs of Allah. You do not pass a stone or a tree or a clod of earth or anything wanting to speak with it, except you speak with it as one person speaking to another person. They have different languages. This earth gives specially to everyone who enters her understanding of the languages of everything in her. So let's look at this thinning of the membranes, which we had talked about as one of these ways of moving into this place. So this bow, we have a bow here and a bow on the other side. And so these are the bow lengths, the arc lengths. So the two bow lengths means the up from the end of the bow to the handle and then handle to the other end. Those are two bow lengths. What happens with when you have a bow like this, we have creation bow and huck bow, true bow. And then there's a string between them. So when the bows are coming closer towards their center, they stretch out the string. <clears throat> so the string stretches out and thins the membrane. And we also know that the rate of change, <clears throat> that this uh, bow can come walking and this other bow comes running. And this bow comes down a hand span and this bow comes up an arm span. So we have the different rates of change, but, both, but what's happening is this membrane is being stretched. So when it stretches, <clears throat> it becomes this thin membrane, this barza, and we have the creation on one side, the huck on the other, and the thinnest of barriers between them. And this is the thinning of the membrane we talked about is through the devotions, extra devotions. So those devotions could be feeding the poor, visiting the sick, dhikr, uh, and uh, so remembrance of Allah and prayer. And the, back again to the reason that dhikr, this remembrance is so very great is that it comes in repetition. It's the only thing that we're told to repeat. The only thing we're told to have more of is knowledge. And the only thing we're told to repeat is the utterance of the divine names. So this dhikr, this remembrance comes with a frequency. And so that frequency comes to us and stretches this membrane. And then that is our entrance point to this vast earth. And I just thought we'd put this one with the colors. One of the strangest things there was, was the perception of colors on lower bodies, which were like air. The perception would attach to their colors as it attached to colors that are on solid bodies. And on the gates of their cities were arches of sapphire gemstones. Each stone there more than 500 arm spans. Yeah. They have darknesses and light without a sun, the two alternating. So that's how they keep time. When they travel on the ocean and plunge in, the water does not leap at them the way water leaps at us. 
No, they proceed as the ocean's creatures proceed until they reach the shore. And then they'll say, the earthquakes are unleashed on this earth. If they were unleashed on us, the earth would turn inside out and whatever was on her would be destroyed. I was one day with a group of them in conversation. So now we'll have this story of the earthquake. And um, yeah, so, so we'll, we'll get to the earth day in a minute. So right now we're looking at that uh, colors under there and what we see. Okay. My body is your paradise, my soul, your Holy Spirit. This teaching is so rarely presented to the world. My vision soul is your privileged body. Bad or bad, in the world of soul and low man day, and not the day. Allah, 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 Allah created Adam, he said, could you reveal Well, we not already true, true, should not be known Allah, 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 Mustafa is not the father mystic word Some for faithful, some for sad, some only for a soul Allah, 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 is not inside the world, no world of no boundary, the artist is his heart. Allah, 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 Become an ocean of your love. My eyes filled with holy tears for Ashk of Muhammad. Allah, 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 Sorry for that, Stafalam. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Yeah. So that's how. Far away everything is, not so far. Your body is, my body is your paradise. <laughs> so on this earthquake one, it's a very powerful story here. So uh, this intense earthquake comes such that I could see the buildings moving with a movement that the sight could not fix in its vision due to the rapidity of the movement to and fro again. We had no information. It was as if we were cut off from the earth until the earthquake subsided. When it subsided and the earth was still, the group took my hand and consoled me about my daughter named Fatima. I said to the group, I left her healthy with her mother. They said, you are correct, but this earth never shakes us while someone is with us, except that person dies or one of his dies. And this earthquake has killed your daughter. So go look after her affairs. I sat down with them as long as God wills and my companions waited for me. When I was ready to leave them, they walked with me to a mouth of the narrows. They took their cloak and I came to my house. I met my friend and he said to me, Fatima is dying. I went into her, but she had died. I was in the environs of Mecca 
So we had her funeral and buried her in the Muella. And that's the cemetery where Khatija was buried. You are nearer than near and even nearer than that. Oh, life, who else can I see? But you, who else can I be? But you, pure presence without horizon essence without division oh my sultan nearer than my central life vein you hold all secrets i live in you your prophets live. Oh, Sultan of love, living your one life, my limits disappear. Allah, my life is yours alone. This my only sacrifice pure praying without one who prays mercy without I or thou oh my sultan nearer than my central life then hidden like owner, I live in you as your prophets live. Thank you. So the Nabuat, the prophethood, is the the six months of the 23 years of prophecy that came to Muhammad And so the ones who maintain the six months of revelation, which is the true dream, are the ones who have that portion of nabuwat, of prophethood. And we saw Ibn Arabi saying how important that is to the prophet that he wanted to see in his mother community that this prophethood was uh, alive and flourishing. And so that's living in you as the prophets live. It's to be able to go to the vast earth and then to have the true vision at the and in the vast earth. So. Uh, if Omar could read the, the verse for us, then we'll... Ya ibadi al-lazina amanu, inna ardi wasi'atun fa'iyyaya fa'budun. O my servants who are faithful, indeed my earth is vast, therefore worship me alone. 
Okay. So this is that's the we had that in the Elahi just before about that I am yours. So that I am yours is uh, this ubudia, this being, uh, this I am yours, I belong to you. So when you stand with her with this I belong to you, your standing is itself a worship. And no one stands with her except someone who resides in the earth of the divine, the vast spacious one, which is vast enough for the new and the old. So isn't that interesting? We've got the two sides of these two bows and the thin membrane in between. And this side is vast enough for the new and the old. So now we have to remember that that other side is only vast enough for the old. And that's why Ibn Arabi's friend was sobbing one day. And Ibn Arabi says, what's wrong? Why are you sobbing? Why are you so sad and crying? And he says, uh, last night, my cherisher came to me and I told him that my kingdom is greater than yours. <laughs> and so Ibn Arabi says, and how did, why did you tell him that? He said, because <clears throat> on my side, I have you and me, whereas on your side, there's only you. So Ibn Arabi says, don't worry, Allah will forgive you. <laughs> so, but this is the <clears throat> this side is spacious enough for the new and the old. That's why this side is so special. And so while we all want union, uh, we also want to remember that there is someone who wants this uh, separation to be there. And so while we begin to, if we're very skilled lovers with our beloved, we know that distance is a good thing because distance means that nearness can happen. But the other side works as well. Allah loves the distance as well as the nearness. So he loves to make us distant so that we will then become near. And then once we're near, he makes us distant again so that we will then be able to come near. This is an earth of God who resides in her, is verified in one's worship of God. And the true adjoins you grammatically to himself, my slave in my earth. He exalted said, oh, my creatures, who are faithful. Indeed, my earth is spacious. Therefore, worship me alone. That is in her. And for me, the time since I worship God in her is from the year 590. And I am today in the year 635. So this is living as your prophets live, to be able to worship Allah in the vast earth. So this earth remains. She is not the earth which is receptive to alter alternation because this earth will go from one to another and so will alter. For this reason, he made her the place for his creatures and a site for his worship. The slave never ceases being a slave, so you never cease from being in this earth ever. And she is an earth of meaning, intelligible, without being felt by the senses, even if she appears manifest in the sensory. So when we're in the vast earth, we see things with, that are sensory, are physical, have distances, have movement, have all of these physical qualities, but these are the experience of it and not the matter of it. And uh, we might talk, Richard might tell us later about that, the difference between experience and, then, and matter. So these meanings do not emerge visibly in sensory images except for those 
who have a deficiency in their souls and they're unable to perceive what is not solid. When someone is ribs stretched full with marifa, this is an unusual word in Arabic, but that's what it is. When someone is ribs stretched full with marifa of God, they do not see meanings in solid forms and they do not see solid forms as other than themselves. Thus they perceive each thing in its thingness, whatever it may be, solid, solid, meaning, meaning, image, image. And this is the perception which one relies on because one is free of being mixed up. So if you can say solid, solid, meaning, meaning, image, image, then you won't get mixed up. And some people have, and so in other words, when you can go meaning to meaning instead of metaphor, solid to meaning, then you are in a place where you're not mixed up. And so metaphors going from solid to meaning is for those who can't do anything else but that, who can't do otherwise. So, and we can have our song by Farida. It's been a while since we've had her singing. Oh 
lyric always go there to find shelter so yadaim is the one who's always there daim always there and then yasamad the place you go to find shelter so daim and samad the two names so, so we have lots of questions this time. <laughs> Start, okay. Starting early on in your, your talk, uh, where do the other seven Earths and 14 other Kaabas exist? Okay. So the idea of a surface is that even in a surface, you can be oriented in different directions. So you can orient yourself in different directions in a surface. So Ibn Arabi is going to tell us that there is no such thing as space where you go from one place to another. There's only one place and another place. And so this concept of that there isn't a space that gets filled, but there is the filling makes the space tells us that when we are in this place, we orient ourselves and we say up, down, left, right, and so on. So if you are in this surface membrane, you can orient yourself and see something is ahead of me or behind me. And they're not physically with a metric. They're not measurably ahead of you, but they are oriented ahead of you. So this is how you can see things coming at you and things coming past you while you are not moving and while they're not moving either. 
So this explains that the seven Earths and these 14 Kabas are orientations in a surface. So they're not away from us. They're not far away. They are exactly here, but in an orientation. So it's do we see them coming at us? And then the coming at us are these waves. So when these waves are coming at us, if we have a hard boundary, we reflect them and they go back again. If they come to us with a soft boundary, then we receive them and then they come back, they go back as they came. So this is why the soft boundary, the softness of the heart is the receptivity to the waves, which are the shining radiant brilliance that is coming at every moment. And that is probably the answer to what are the rows, which was asked where well, you had the beautiful light, uh, lavender. Yeah, so those rows so. Are, are, are the sikak, are these, these rows that come. And if, uh, you, if you're in Malaysia and you have these palm tree rows, you can, you, they, they're all in this row. Um, when I was growing up, we had corn in these rows. And if you run past them, they give you a frequency. And so, and I understand that people have, epilepsy might get triggered by something like that. So these are frequencies which are modulating and are, are neuro frequencies. Um, and so that's, and so you can have these click, 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 click can become, uh, can do something to us inside. And so what they do to us is they put us into a certain kind of wave state. We've also talked about the 70,000 angels coming to each individual every day. So 70,000 angels are coming to you every day, which is a frequency of 1.1 something every second. So, or 1.1 angel per 1.1 second, something like that. So these angels are coming at us in the frequency which we call delta waves. So our brains are at delta waves. So when you're in a certain kind of uh, brain state, uh, you are receptive to all of these waves. If you're in an alpha state, very active, then you might, you're not in tune with or in the frequency of the incoming angels. And this apparently is the state where when we are half awake uh, or in prayer or when giving a dua or in dhikr, those are states which bring our brains into a particular frequency, which happens to match that of the incoming angelic forces. Um, who offers these cloaks? So the cloaks, uh, so Ibn Abi will go into cloaks at different places, but the idea of the cloak, the one that these are these strange beings who offer a cloak that, that you put onto, um, the the counsel that Ibn Arabi gives us is that the cloak is the cloak of the Prophet And so uh, the Prophet was, was holding uh, Ali and Fatima on one side and Hassan and Hussein were on his lap and he had a cloak around them. And Umm Salma came in and said, am I not also your family? And he says, you're my family, come into the cloak. So we hear, that the council is that come into the cloak is the one is the protection of this family. So we want to come into the protective cloak of this family. And that's our, our way to uh, approach the Barzakh, approach the vast earth 
is under the protection, under the cloak. And this also idea of protection is there with Ya Samad in the song. So Samad is the one we resort to. So this idea of protection and resorting to is very important. Um, partly because, uh, and this is the same way Ibn Arabi, uh, when he does talk about music, he can be very harsh and stern about music. Because as we know, music can have, music has a big effect on people. And that effect can be good or bad. So you can have, you know, racist marches with all these protests, you know, racist marching and, and all these kinds of ideas in music. And you can also have the most lovely music, which stirs, you know, compassion, all that. So Ibn Arabi is very cautious about the music is a instrument. And so you can't just say it's all good or it's all bad. It's an instrument. So you have to watch what it's doing. In the same way, these frequencies are ones where they, they are potentially dangerous because we can, uh, we can have fantasies, we can have schizophrenia, we can have all these kinds of things happening to us. So the protection is to be under the cloak of the Prophet And when we're under his cloak, then we're following his path and we're following his light. And that's the one which will safely bring us into the Barzakh, into the vast earth. Why does the divine force union and separations again and again? So that's, uh, and for, in a sense, that's the sigh, the way life is. <laughs> and this is our feeling of being distant. And then to know that when we are distant, we'll come back again is why we're there. And so Allah says, if you did not offend and sin or offend and do wrong things and ask for forgiveness, so wrong things which would push you away from me, and then ask for forgiveness, which would bring you towards me, if you did not sin and offend, I would find and make a people who would sin and offend and ask for forgiveness, and I would forgive them. So now we realize that our creation is designed to offend and be distant and then repent, turn, and come back again. And so that back and forth is what we are here for. And so, but this is, this is a also... It's painful, that's a painful, tender truth. Uh, and then we find out along the path that it's the same experience that the divine has. The divine also knows with great compassion that I will have to push this creation away to bring them back again. They have to, uh, to my image has to be far away from me so I can see it and then it can be brought to me but then I want to see another image. And so it has to be made far away and then brought back. So this is the experience of creation and the creator of distance, nearness, distance, nearness. And, uh, and we did, I think, way a couple months ago, the, uh, the, the movie, the Bollywood movie Dilse is that if there, that this, the person says, I love, I hate this distance between me, the lover and the beloved. But then he says, I love that the most because if there were no distance, there would be no reason or means or pretext to come close to you. And so this is how Majnun and Layla, Majnun realizes that the distance from Layla is what makes his love so powerful. Nice. So Arifian, whoops, Arifian uh, constantly perceive absolute in quotes, um, meanings in every being situation? Well, so 
the rest of you know most people will take a solid thing and take and take meaning from it and that's metaphor and that's good that's great to be able to say i see a solid thing and its meaning is this the ones who recognize god everywhere they see a solid thing as a solid thing a meaning as a meaning and an image as an image so the solid thing is not more or less it's it's this is a solid thing this is a means and this meaning is not better or worse it's a means and the image so allah can be recognized in solid things in meaningful things and in image based things so this becomes very powerful that's why the 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 lovers the sufi lovers the mystic lovers are caught by they they're, they're caught out by the conventional person that says look you're worshiping that person or you said that person is god and or the or you have this teaching that's rarely so rarely presented that my body is your paradise um, and so they're the ones who can say yes my solid body is the paradise of the divine and they can see solid for solid, meaning for meaning, image for image. And they just have to be careful when they're speaking to the people who are only able to see material. And so Ibn Arabi's word for that are people who can only see material are blockheads. <laughs> so like a block of ice, the ice. And so water is knowledge, but the block of ice is knowledge which is solidified and can't flow. And if it can't flow, it can't be under, it can give any understanding or meaning to it. So people who stick to that are blockheads. Uh, that I mean, when I was growing up, that was Charlie Brown was criticized as being a blockhead, right? But so that's the people are unable to move and see that either that the solid has meaning or that the solid is solid and therefore meaningful. Can you please explain a bit more about? Oh, it's hard. It moves on me. Um, can you please explain a bit more about two bows? One is hawk, and what is the other one, and how do they interact? So the two bows, uh, so in the Quran, that, that becoming two bow lengths or nearer, so the two bow lengths are from the end to the handle, handle to the end. And these two bows, the first bow is, is creation, and the other bow is hak, is true. And these two bows, when they when the middle, when the handles come closer to each other, the legs, the arms spread out. And as they spread out, they stretch the string tighter and tighter. So as the string is stretched tighter and tighter, these two bows are coming closer and closer to level. And so they're becoming, so lord and lorded over. Uh, the, the, uh, the mystic bride, bride and the one who is marrying the bride. So they become closer and closer. And then there's a thinnest of veils between them. So that's that imagery that we're having. And then we've learned that the, the velocity, the rate of change of the first handle is I move one hand span and the other bow, the divine moves an arm span or I move walking and the other one moves running. And so that's the, the different rates of, but this is how the, the, the membrane is thinned. So then we look for how do, do we find these thinning of membranes? And we find out that that happens when the heart is softened and the heart is softened by feeding the poor, visiting the sick, and then all of the extra devotions, uh, nawafil, um, and then that's dhikr and salat and, and so on. Beautiful. Um, did Ibn Arabi mention any specific practice which enables a disciple to be blessed 
to go into this vast earth at will besides when we go there in dreams yeah so this yeah this is that's that's quite beautiful now the thing about nabuat about prophethood is that it's very clear and everyone will agree with that that it is not by merit but by grace so you can't earn prophecy it's only by grace and so that's why we have words like mujtaba the one who is chosen selected and the same way with the dreams you cannot force a dream and you can only by grace get that dream um, and receive that dream so what Ibn Arabi is telling us is that because this is by grace, we have on this side, we have the preparation for that grace. So the preparation for that grace is to be in a state of ablutions, wudu, when you go to sleep, so that you'll, you'll be in a state where you can have a night conversation with the divine. And so to prepare yourself, all the preparations, which are what they are the emulation of the prophet. So the emulation of the prophet is our preparation so that we that when grace does arrive to us, we are ready and we are prepared. The same way when the waves are coming to us, these waves are coming to every creature, every individual, are getting 70,000 angels every day. They're getting all of these waves of interaction and brilliant radiance. The only question is some of them are receiving them and some of them are rejecting or, or, or repulsating them. And so the question then is how can I be receptive? And receptive means I have to be the one who is the slave. I belong to you. And so in that state of obodia, I belong to you. I'm yours, I'm yours alone. That is the state of recep receptivity. And that's why Abhamadhyan said, there's no one in goes to the garden with a sesame seed of arrogance, of ego, of me. And so that's why we have all of these pains in this world, so that the faithful will have these pains, which will say, you know, I'm really nobody. I, I don't have, I am not God. I am not the Lord. I am not in charge of my destiny. And when I come to that place and say, help me, Madet, that's the place that my heart then becomes receptive to the divine. Can you say more about metaphor and its relationship to this vast earth? Yeah, so the, the, the key, what Ibn Arabi is telling us that when, we, when you go there, you see things that the intellect declares impossible. And so, uh, so when you return from there, you might speak in metaphor. You might say, it was as if, so, or simile or metaphor. It was as if, and that's where we have ka'annahuhua. It's as if it was it. And so when the throne of Bilqis is there, she says, it is as if it is it. And so this is the, the fact of hu lahu. It is and it isn't. And so what, and so it's one and is and is not have, they have equal of, uh, epistemological validity. They are both true. That is the way things are. And, it, and there's no way to improve upon the it or the not it. So um, we see both of those at the same time. And so seeing those both at the same time, that everything that I see is God and is not God at the same time, that is, that is a something that the intellect can't handle because it can't handle two opposites being the same. 
And it's also one that metaphor can't really handle too, because I'm saying there, I'm seeing both at the same time. Whereas metaphor tells me that I can see something here and something here, and I can say this one as if it is this one. So Ibn Arabi says, ultimately, Bill Qis is teaching us that there, this is and this isn't, and it is the same. It is the same. And the way we had that non-orientable strip that you say the first is the last, the outward is the inward, and they are the same. So metaphor tells us to cross over and to see two things and then to cross them over. Um, this other way is they are just one. Um, Salam, when we enter the vast earth, is there a host to guide our journey from start to end? Right. And so that uh, Ibn Arabi says that you are met by someone and that person guides you. And then when you're ready to leave, they take the cloak back and they let you then leave. Um, so this guide is the one that we've talked about uh, over the centuries. Uh, these are the mystic guides. These are the prophets, the messengers, the mothers. These are the ones who guide us. And, the, and so there's and we have, and then if you look at some of the, or many near-death experiences, people talk about going through the tunnel and, of light and they, on the other side, there's someone who's greeting them. It's their, their long lost mother or you know, someone is greeting them. Um, so this is, this is the, the experience of being met on the other side by someone who will then guide you, especially because everything is so very different. And so they need to be there to guide. So these are the guides, and that's why we love the guides, the mystic guides, the ones who, who show us the way and, and have the light. Can you please tell us more about the relation between time and space? So <laughs> the <yeah>. light question. <laughs> In two sentences. So Ibn Arabi says, there is no time and there is no space. <laughs> so that's, that's the short answer. There is no time. There is no, this happens, and then this happens, and between them, there's a continuous time. No, there's the new creation. This thing, this thing, this thing, and there's no separation by time. You can't say T1, T2, T3. It's just there's this, and there's this, and there's that. So he's atemporal. So no time in, in, his, in this cosmology. And there's no space in the sense that we are particles inside a space and we can roam around inside this free or vacuum or any kind of vacuum or, or medium or anything. We don't roam about. We fill up, we are, and the space then surrounds us. And then this particle is, and a space surrounds that one. And you see, this ties back into the idea of pores and where are the seven earths? Because if we're in a, in a box and I'm moving in this box like this, then that's the conventional Newtonian physics that we, we're a particle and you move inside this box. And here's other particles and we're all moving inside the box. Ibn Arabi says, no, every individual occupies its own space. And that space then it, every moment it's a new space, a new, a new you and a new space surrounding you and a new you and a new space surrounding you. So everything is within this space. And so everything within the space means garden and fire and the orbits and the, and the celestial bodies and the throne and the footstool, everything is in the one space, which is you. And so now we have, now we, and that's why you don't go anywhere. So Ibrahim Adaham, when he gets on his, his horse and says, I'm, I'm trying to look for God, 
and the saddle horn looks at him and says, the moment you took one step that way, you went away from me. And the same way with Bayezid Bistami, living in the, the city of Bastam. And then he goes off to look for God. And this old man comes and says, who are you? And he says, I'm Abu Yazid Bistami. I'm Bayezid Bistami. And he says, oh, you're Bayezid Bistami. God's looking for you in Bastam, you know, back there. So, so that's, it's all contained in here. Because there is one entity, there's one entity. <laughs> Omar offers that pleasure is in the discovery and finding. Yeah, so this is how, in a sense, we have to train ourselves and train our nafs, because the nafs wants what, it, what she wants. And, the, and so there's a way of training which says that in hardship, there is something inside that's folded in which is good. And in distance, there is the thought and pleasure that there will become a nearness. And so the teaching is to begin to learn that. Um, and so to learn that you are never separate. So when you go apart, you are going to be coming back together. And Ibn Arabi says, look at the at grammar itself, you know, saves us because Allah says, my creature. So as long as you're my creature, Allah's not going to go anywhere, it's not going to disappear, it's not going to uh, be not being. Therefore, neither will the creature. So my creature, that saying my creature is your link to tell you there is no separation. And so that's a training or something that we need to learn. And when we learn it, then when things that happen to us that are bad, we say, as Omar said, there's three. It did not, uh, it could have been worse. It did not make me lose my religion. And alhamdulillah, that there will be something that is in it recompensing me on the other side. So all so that's a training and that's part of the discipline of the soul. And that's why Sheikh Noor calls the master of the discipline of all spiritual beings. And so this discipline is to learn that we will be apart and we'll be back and that there is no separation, that the honey and the comb is going to be always be together. And the true teacher and the one who desires, the student will always be together. Where do the rows, the frequencies originate, or are they found in the Barzakh? So, the, yeah, this is very interesting. So that's where there, where it's it's a null volume hypersurface. So in this null volume hypersurface, waves are coming at us, but they're not coming from somewhere, and they're not going to somewhere, but they are waves somehow. And so they are waves that are given, so they're frequencies. And these frequencies are what we recognize as vibrations, frequencies, um, and, we, and we recognize that energies have vibrations and frequencies. And, and that, so we, you begin to speak in those terms of that things that someone, and there are people who are very sensitive to this and they say, I can see or I can feel this frequency coming to me and it's doing these following things to me. So our bodies, our brains are, have their waves. Um, our whole body is subject to frequencies and vibrations. Light is a spectrum of frequencies and, uh, and on and on and on. So this world is, you know, if we, at some point we ought to quit looking at, you know, the Newtonian and the sort of very masculine way of here's a ball and here's another ball and here's another ball and these particles are bumping each other. And look instead, it's a field. It's an intelligent field which has vibrations and frequencies in it of light 
and of, of, of force and of energy. And if we begin to look at it that way, we'll see how one, something that is one, can have different frequencies within the one. And, and so that field is, is everywhere. Yeah, so, so, that, so that field, the moment you are, there's a field and a space around you. And then when you're here, there's a, there's a space around you. And so everything that you need is always there with you. And this is so different from we think I have to go there to get something. So wherever you are, there is the face of Allah, right? Thank you, Liz. So a question of clarification. Um, are you saying that people under the cloak um, <laughs> are spared mental imba imbalance? I worked with mentally ill patients who were very spiritual. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, of course, and, and historically, uh, uh, there's the the not in Schiffen, the, the 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 you put people they would put the the insane on a on a on a boat, um, but the idea of uh, that these brain waves and these and these voices and things like that um, they can be spiritual and they can also they can be they for for good or for for harm and so and so the the protection is to always have the path to the water. And this is why Ibn Arabi will always tell us that's why we have the sunnah, the, the, the practice, the behavior of the prophet. So that that's our safety, that's our protection, so that we don't harm ourselves and we don't harm others, is that we are doing what the prophet has, has guided and counseled us to do. And that's why Ibn Arabi's work is a counsel. His whole Futuhat is a counsel. And that's to help us in the day-to-day -day life of how we can do all of these things and not get lost and not lose the bearing or lose the foundation, which is the foundation of being good to Allah's creation. Concretely speaking, what does it mean to be under the prophet's cloak? How does that manifest in our daily life? Does it mean to formulate a good, pure intention? Well, I mean that's the that's the entire question of the entire path, and so it's certainly uh, the, to be under the cloak, to be under the protection, is to do what your beloved wants you to do, and so the beloved wants you to follow the path that's been placed before you, and that's that's the prophet's path, and Ibn Arabi says you don't put your foot anywhere where the prophet hasn't put his foot, and so that's following that path. And so, because every lover wants to know what does the beloved lo love, and so that I may do that. And so, what, so our entire life for the lover is what can I do that will make the beloved happy, pleased, and what, sh what the beloved, what he loves. And so to make, to do what the beloved loves is to say, I want to follow in your footsteps and do what you do, because you have said that that is most pleasing to you. So it's a life where you're, where you're always watching yourself and saying, is this pleasing to Allah and his messenger? And what may I do which is pleasing to Allah and his messenger? And Ibn Arabi says, so the, the, you're very fortunate if your beloved is Allah and his messenger, because if your beloved is, you know, is Zainab or is Amr, then you, you really don't know quite what they really like. But when it comes to Allah and his messenger, you've got a long, long list of everything they like. 
I'd like you to be not oppressive, not arrogant, and you should be good to those people and humble and feed the poor. And it gives you the whole list. So there's no question about we know what they love. <laughs> um, Zakia writes, so everything except hook, I don't know if she means hawk, is in a flow. I meant all but the point of hook or hawk is in a is in a flux. Yeah, so well, so flux, and, and, and this is why and it's so good to look at the imageries of light and so on. So in a shadow play, the projector is, is the only stable thing there. The, the projector is stable, projects light into this barzakh, and then we are these images, these shadows that are doing our thing, playing in this creation. And the idea is to come closer and closer to the screen so that when we enter the screen, we see equally the projector and the projection. And so we are in this midpoint in the surface where the projector is coming towards us and the projection we can see there. And so, and so yeah, so the, the light then is this, it's this is stability and always is necessary being all of these ideas. And when it, and it comes into the Barzakh, everything is different and changing and there's a new creation at every moment. Back to the frequencies that permit us to enter the vast earth. Do the coming and going towards Allah, the pull to and from Allah, does that too create a frequency? Yeah, so that's so this process of coming forward and closer, coming closer to Allah and then back and back, that makes its own uh, frequency in the sense that also you know, um, and this, this is the uh, when you, someone who is, is very much connected to what is happening with the divine, that person is the one who is, is every time something happens, they see that is, oh, this is something I need to ask help for. And they ask help directly. And so that's why Job was praised for complaining directly to Allah, not to anyone else. So there's there's that that idea, um, that, that image that we have is that we're forever wanting to connect what's happening to us to this big picture, to the divine picture. Okay. Um, isn't Allah sending his or her grace to anyone without that someone being prepared or not prepared in an Islamic way? Right. So every single individual is getting a space and a radiation of brilliance from Allah at every moment, every, every being and every, every uh, moment. And so because every moment and every being is receiving all there is, that is the divine. Um, the, all that what we see is that some see it and some don't. Some see a little bit, some see less, some see it sometimes and not one time and another time. But all of them are receiving the same rahma and, and kindness and mercy at every moment. And so some will receive it later, some will receive it earlier, some will receive it now and then not next and then some of it now and some of it then but the amount that's coming the ocean that's streaming in is the same for every single individual and so it's got nothing to do with morality or piety or anything like that it has something to do with receptivity and that's why Bernard goes to his very controversial discussion about the pharaoh and, he, and then he says, anyone who thinks, and the Sufis all say that, anyone who thinks that his nafs, his soul, is better than Pharaoh's soul, doesn't understand souls. And, that's, and so Allah does not say, this one is a soul that is a good one, and this is a bad soul. 
they're all souls and they're all subject to the mercy and kind goodness of Allah. Couple of comments here. Um, Baki reminding us of the Allahi, divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. Um, I wanna sing it, but we don't have time. <laughs> um, and another comment here, subhanAllah, you should write a chapter on Ibn Arabi and cosmology. Um, and then a question about the Allahi, who wrote them and where can I get access to a written and audio collection, please? Aha. Okay. So first for that one, um, can we have, uh, Omar, I think is the fastest technological person here. If he can give us some references um, or some emails and we can send, we, we have uh, the Allahis, we can talk more about them. Well, they're, uh, they're on our site. They're on Mystic of... Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Go, so go to Mystic Garden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Garden, well, Garden of Mystic Love. Garden of um, Mystic Love. I'll try to find them, find it now and send them. I'll look up the link. Okay. I've always been wanting to write the book called The Vast Earth. And I, I went very far towards writing it and doing a lot of the things. I had all the chapters and everything. I uh, just never went anywhere. And so then I realized that, okay, all I'm supposed to do is just translate the whole futad instead. So that's how, that's how that happened. But certainly, and my mother keeps saying, you know, you need to get, you know, Steven Spielberg or someone to do a beautiful a visual thing of these vast earths and so uh but until then yeah it's the translation of the futahat and uh, and then what's so important is that if that so many people say you know and we have two of them right now i think from pakistan and elsewhere they keep telling me you know when i read i don't understand what ibn arabi is saying but when you say it then i understand so then we realize that yeah so this is the way to convey uh what all of these things are saying is through our sessions on Fridays. So alhamdulillah. And you realize it's been seven months or more already. <laughs> it's getting look crazy, but there you go. Okay. And a prayer for you. Um, <laughs> explanation on theoretical physics. May Allah increase you in knowledge. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, what is the meaning when one dreamt different prophets, including Prophet Muhammad? Is there a message in that? Yeah, so that's that's of course the, the 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 greatest of the graces that come to us are is to be able to have a dream which uh, in which you see the prophet and the prophets. Yes, um, and and Ibn Arabi says that because his mother, uh, so uh, Amna, because Amna was um, she dreamt by the Kaaba and on the Hijr. Remember we talked about the Hijr, that half wall is so very important because that is the Kaaba. So that's the place that the mystics go. They go to the half wall. They say, this is the Kaaba. And nobody can keep us from the true Kaaba because this is the Kaaba. So people used to go there to dream and have good dreams. And so Ibn Arabi talks about someone had the dream that there underneath there was the, the tomb of Ismail and there was a green, uh, some kind of green emerald rock this big, you know, something like that. There are all sorts of mysteries about all of this, but Amna went to that place, to the Hijr, and she had a dream. And the dream, and so her, the, the dream that she had of who her son would be, that he, Ibn Arabi says, he came out exactly as her dream said he would come out. And he says, and this is why, because he is conceived as a dream, because of that, when he comes out that we will all have multiple, multiple visions of him. 
and that we'll see him differently because the multiplicity of the visions of him, because he was based on a dream um, that Amna had. And so this is very important. So this is why that when we see him in a dream, we do see him and no one, no rebels or, or no forces can uh, take away uh, his, the vision of him and, and take on his form. So this is the safety also of, of having a dream with the Prophet.